The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. I'd like you to take your Bibles with me tonight and turn to Ezekiel chapter 22. I'm going to speak to you tonight, and I'm going to preach to you a subject entitled Standing in the Gap. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 22, and we'll begin reading at verse number 23. And we read here, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. Like a roaring lion ravening the prey, they have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths. And I am profane. Among them, her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery, And have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Now look at verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your mercy that you shed upon us every day, Father, though we deserve to be judged, though we deserve to be punished. Father, your mercy is poured out unto us. And we praise you and we thank you. We thank you for your grace that you shed upon us every day, giving us so many blessings and so much favor that we do not deserve. And we do not merit. So help us, Father, as your children to appreciate all that you have done and all that you will do for us. Help us tonight to see the urgency, to see the need among us. And, Father, help us tonight to stand in the gap, to to stand up for truth and righteousness in our generation. We ask that you bless us now, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is the price of true sacrifice? I ask that question as we begin tonight's message. Fifty-six men signed the Declaration of Independence. Their conviction resulted in untold sufferings for themselves and their families. Of the fifty-six men, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. 
Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in poverty. At the Battle of Yorktown, the British General Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home for his headquarters. Nelson quietly ordered General George Washington to open fire on the Nelson home. The home was destroyed and Nelson died bankrupt. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and mill were destroyed. For over a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning home only to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion. In the passage of scripture we read from Ezekiel, we see here the nation of Israel in dire straits. We read that the house of the Lord was in great disrepair. The priests of the land have become corrupt and immoral. And the people are given over to a reprobate mind. As we read this passage of scripture and as we look upon this, if things are going to improve, if God is going to restore them to their former state, if they are going to find forgiveness and deliverance, some are going to have to stand in the gap and stay the hand of God's judgment upon Israel. We read this just a moment ago in verse number 30, where, we, where it says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Moses and Aaron stood in the gap. In Numbers chapter 16, verses 46 through 48, we read, And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer, and put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly unto the congregation, and make an atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded, and ran into the midst of the congregation, and behold, the plague was begun among the people, and he put on incense, and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. I just cited a historical account of the great cost paid by the men who stood in the gap during the Revolutionary War with Britain. These men certainly did not have to pay such a steep price. There was approximately two and a half million people residing in the 13 colonies at the time of the Revolutionary War. And history cites that over a half a million people, 500,000 of the 2.5 million, were loyal to the British. So there were two million people who stood against the British, who did not, who did not succumb, want, wish to succumb to the king. But of those two million, only 56 took a stand. Only 56 stood up and put their name on the one document that would make them hunted men for the rest of their lives. They could have simply complied with the demands of the king. They could have compromised in order to ensure the posterity of their families. Yet they threw all caution to the wind, and they took a stand, and stood in the pathway of tyranny, and declared, 
you shall only pass over my dead body. It was Thomas Jefferson who declared, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It has often been said that history repeats itself. And while this is not always the fact, I fear that history is repeating itself in our nation tonight. We have traveled a long way down from the character and principles of the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, and I'm certain no one here would argue with that. Those men paved the way of liberty for an entire nation and for countless generations to come by their sacrifice. But today, men are paving the way for destruction and desolation for all the generations to follow by their corrupt and reprobate lives. Have you ever stopped to think about where our grandchildren will be? The debt that they will inherit from the greed and and the, and, and the avarice of our politicians alive today. And men today don't have any concern for what their children and their grandchildren and future generations will have to face as long as they are pleasing and satisfying themselves. From the White House to the schoolhouse today, God, his word, and his principles are banished and forgotten. All that is good and right is despised and rejected. <laughs> One but needs to look at the condition of our younger generations today to see the damage already done to the fabric of our society. And I fear the worst is yet to come. Abortion and homosexuality are at epidemic levels tonight. And the study of history will reveal that these are always the last stages of deprivation in a society before final destruction comes. Now, I do not want to give us no hope tonight. While I personally do not believe that there is much hope to turn America as a nation back to the Lord, I do believe that there is a remnant of true believers in America tonight. And God will continue to bless for their sake. After all, God was prepared to spare Sodom and Gomorrah for the sake of ten righteous. Was he not? You can read, as a matter of fact, let's turn to Genesis chapter 18. <coughs> Excuse me. Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to go to verse number 23. We read here, And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now, let me set the scene here. Abraham is speaking with the Lord as the Lord reveals to him his plan to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham was aware that Lot, his nephew, a righteous man, even though he didn't live righteously, uh, resided in that area. So he comes to the Lord and says, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. 
And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure, thou shalt lack five of the fifty righteous. Will thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure, there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure, there shall be thirty found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty. And he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. So we see here that the Lord was prepared to spare Sodom and Gomorrah for the sake of ten righteous people. And while inevitable judgment awaits our nation tonight, and may I say it is justly deserved, I know that God is faithful to those that love him and serve him. And I know that we can expect God to honor, honor his promises to us. Yet, as we read, God is still seeking for those that will hedge the gap, those that will stand in the way and preach, thus saith the Lord. And if this will be accomplished, it will not be accomplished by those that do not know the Lord. It will not be accomplished by those that are careless and foolish in their daily conversations or their manners of life. It will have to be accomplished by those who are willing to sacrifice all for the sake of Christ and his coming kingdom. In other words, it's going to have to be done by us. By you and I and by, by believers who, who love the Lord and, and serve him with our lives. Consider the declaration of the Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 3 we read, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, by faith. That, this is what we need tonight. We need parents that will stand in the gap for your children's sake. And will preach the word of God to them. And will teach them by the example of their own life. And will expect and demand of them. That they live for and honor God. We need parents that are not like we read about the people in, in, in the book of Ezekiel who, who sought their own pleasure and their own satisfaction and, and cared not for the, the case and the state of other people. We need parents who, for the sake of their children, will discipline their lives and will take a stand and will stand in the gap and, and, and teach righteousness to their children. And to all those around them will live a life that glorifies and honors God in the presence of not only God the Father, but in the presence of men and women around them. We need employees that will stand in the gap on their job and not allow fear to silence them concerning righteousness and propriety and will boldly stand for right, even at the cost of their jobs, if need be. People who won't, who won't just, just step back and say, well, I don't want to lose my job, so I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stand up against my boss in this. I'll just go ahead and do this, even though it's not ethical, even though it may not be moral, I'll just do it because I need my job and I can't afford to lose it. We need church members that will stand in the gap, 
in their churches. And not be content to let others do what they should do themselves. We need church members who will be faithful to attend the services. I think nothing gets under my skin more than this. This auditorium from that side to this side tonight should be full of people. Yet men and women and women have decided that there are other things more important than being in the house of God to worship him and to hear the preaching of his word. We need church members who are faithful to to tithe and support the ministry, faithful to serve and use the talents that God has given them. There's some of you sitting here tonight that have the ability to do some of the things that we need to do in this church, like singing the choir. But for whatever reasons, we're not willing to, to make a commitment. We're not willing to step forward and use the talents God has given us. We need men like Paul who said, I count all things as dung, that I might gain the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, that I might serve him. We need men like Paul. Consider John the Baptist. I don't have time to turn to it and read uh, all the, the verses. Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 13. I challenge you to go home and read those, those verses tonight. This is talking about King Herod uh, and, and his sinful relationship with his sister-in-law. And John could have just, gone, John in this case could have just kept his mouth shut, right? John, I'm sure, I doubt seriously that Herod called John in and said, now John, is, is this relationship right? Now he didn't do that. John saw that the king of, of, of God's people were, was doing and the shame that he was bringing upon the nation of Israel and the, and, and, and the, the wrath of God that was, that was going to fall upon his people. And John said uh, he heard about this incestuous marriage and he went to Herod and he reproved him to his face. John, in so doing, showed his zeal for holiness, his hatred of sin, his courage and faithfulness in reproving Herod. And I'll say if, if someone did that in this day, people would say, oh, he's, he's just being judgmental. He's just, he's just being inappropriate and in, in behaving in such a way. After all, King Herod has a right to do whatever he wants to do, doesn't he? That's the position of our society today. Am I wrong? Do we have any John the Baptist left in our nation that would stand up before the President of the United States and say, uh-huh, this is wrong and it shouldn't be done? His zeal, his willingness to stand in the gap, it cost him quite a bit. It cost him his head. But it was the price he was willing to pay to be able to stand before the Lord and hear the words, well done, thou, thy good and faithful servant. What about Daniel? In Daniel chapter 6, we read, we read about um, the, the law that the king passed, the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be changed, that no man can make any petition to any man or God other than the king himself. Daniel stood in the gap in his generation as well. <laughs> I mean, Daniel didn't have to, he didn't have to let others know that he was praying unto the Lord. Now did he? He could have. He could have went into his house and closed his windows and 
put out his lights and he could have knelt over in the corner and he could have whispered his prayers under the Lord. He could have waited until the darkness fell upon and, and not be seen by anyone else like so many closet Christians do today. People who come to church and, and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus, but leave this place and go about their lives as though they do not even know who Jesus is. Men and women who gossip and backbite and chew each other up and spit each other out. People who sit in their homes and watch television programs that uses profanity. And some of them even have the nerve to copy those, those, those things and post them on their Facebook pages so all the world can see. And, and you know what? What you're doing when you do that is you're saying, this is my opinion. This is what I think. Men and women who live their lives in conformity with the world so as not to stand out and not be known as Christian. Just like Peter did when he stood at the world's fire and warmed himself. But that's not what Daniel did. The Bible states he went into his house and his window being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Now that took courage. Daniel did what was right because it was right to do. Not because it was popular, not because it was easy, not because it would bring him advantages. Simply because it was the right thing to do. He did it without regards for his own well-being, without concern for the cost of his obedience, without fear of the consequences for his actions. He stood in the gap. Now, I could go on for hours, and some of you may think I will. Tonight, we, the Christian community, need men to stand in the gap. We need husbands that will love their wife, fathers that will nurture their children, employees that will labor as unto the Lord, church members that will honor the Lord their God with their lives. We need men that will not just talk about righteousness, but will, by example, live in righteousness. Tonight, we need believers that will step up and be named among those that love and glorify God. Those who will set no wicked thing before their eyes. Those that will declare, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will you stand in the gap tonight? Will you stand in the gap in this generation? Will you stand in the gap in your home? Will you stand in the gap on your job, in your church? Well, if we are, I want to give you three thoughts and we'll be done. I don't know how long it'll take me to give you these three thoughts, but I'm going to give you three thoughts and we'll be done. Number one, if we are going to stand in the gap, we need to be people that give our affections to the Almighty. Give your affection to the Almighty. In Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 we read, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Your love tonight, your greatest love, your first love should be to, to the Father himself. 
Jesus told us that we will place the most value and the most important in the things that we love. And in, it is my experience that this is true. I have noticed that men and women will give them their most effort to the things that they love the most. What does that say? If that's true, and, and it is, what does that say about people who give so little of themselves, so little of their heart to God? Do you want people to consider you to be that, that type of person? That you, are, you have so little love for God that you live your life to your own pleasure and not according to his glory and honor? Do you love the Lord tonight? If you do, first you will obey his word. In Psalm 119, verse 167, we read, My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. You will love and obey God's word. If you do love the Lord tonight, secondly, you will be faithful to his house and worship. In Psalm 27, verse 4, we read, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. If you love God, you'll love, you'll love the church. You'll love his house. You'll love his bride. And you'll love to worship him. And nothing will keep you from worshiping him. Do you love the Lord tonight? If you do, and this is a hard one, you will love his people. In John chapter 13, we read verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. It is with complete certainty that we can state that one who will stand in the gap is one who loves God. And the degree of that love is seen in the life of each believer, whether, whether it be a great love or whether it be a small love. It's seen by the way you live your life. And as sure as we can discern between a buzzard and a butterfly, that's a Texas term, we can discern between a man who loves God and one who does not. So first tonight, give your affection to the Almighty. But secondly, if you will be a, a person who will stand in the gap, gain your strength from the Savior. Gain your strength from the Savior. Ephesians chapter 6, we read, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I have watched over the years as countless numbers of Christians try to live their daily lives in their own power, and most of them fail to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in their life. And they foolishly attempt to battle the flesh and to battle the world by their own strength and, and through their own experiences. Yet God's word clearly identifies that, that by which we conquer these enemies. In 1 John 5, 4 we read, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 
Our strength comes from Christ. There is nothing that we can do in the arm of, of flesh. The arm of flesh, the songwriter wrote, will fail you. But the arm of God is ever strong. And our strength is in the Lord. And, and, and the faith that we have in him. Paul summed it up best in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 where he writes, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Tonight, you either believe as Paul did, that the life which is yours is not yours at all, but it is Christ's. And it must be lived to his glory. Or you do not believe as Paul. And the life which you live tonight is for your own pleasure, for your own desires, and for your own purpose. Only you can say which, is, which it is. So, first tonight, we give our affection to the Almighty. Secondly, we gain our strength from the Savior. And then thirdly, let me say, invest your purpose in his plan. Invest your purpose in his plan. Why are we here tonight? I see so many people investing their life in a career. Investing their lives in, in, in material things. But you know, the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. The scriptures state that Supposing some suppose that that gain is godliness. But the truth is that contentment with godliness is great gain. Being happy with the things that God gives you. Knowing that your life is invested in his plan. In his purpose, not your own. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Paul writes, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto Good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are here tonight for one purpose. To glorify the Father by all that we are and do. That's why we're here tonight. Husbands, you can glorify the Father by loving your wife. And by being true and faithful to her. You can honor God the Father. You can glorify him. By raising your children in the admonition and fear of the Lord. By investing all that you do into making sure that your children know this book. Making sure that your children understand the importance of church and the work of God. Making sure your children know the Lord. Fathers, that's how you can honor and glorify God with your life. Mothers, you can honor and glorify God with your life by being obedient unto your husbands. By, by setting an example in your home. Of the, of the, of the submission that you are to have towards, towards your husband and toward the father. Showing your children the, the, the need to honor and respect their father. Children in this room tonight, you can honor and glorify God by honoring your parents, by loving them. By, by treating them with respect. And by looking at them as, as God's gift to you. Church members tonight, you can honor and glorify God by laboring in your church, by, by being faithful to your church, by being loyal to your church, 
By saying, I will not do anything that would bring shame or dishonor to the name of my Father or to to the church uh, of Jesus Christ. We're here tonight to glorify the Father by all that we do. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20 and 21, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life, in other words, whether I live my life to magnify Christ, or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul said, God will be glorified in my life, whether it's by my life or by my death. He said, that's my earnest expectation. That's my hope. That's my desire. The vast majority of believers in our nation tonight have given themselves over to the cares and concerns of this life. And most do not even realize that that's what they've done. Most are lulled to to sleep by teachers having itching ears, by by teachers who, who are making merchandise of them. It is time that God's people awake from sleep and see that this life is only temporary and that the most important things are not the niceties of life. In Matthew we read, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moss and wrath doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your treasure tonight? Where is your treasure tonight? I fear most Christians value their home or their car or, or some possession they have more than they do. The acknowledgement and, and the, the, the satisfaction of the Father in their lives. That pretty much sums it all up perfectly. Ezekiel stated, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Are you going to let that be the testimony of Berean Baptist Church? Are you going to let that be the testimony of you? God looked upon you to, and he, he, he gazed upon you to see that you were a man that was willing to stand in the gap. A man that was willing to stand up and be counted for righteousness sake, but he found none. Let me close with this commentary written by David Livingstone. How many of you know who David Livingstone was? He was a, a, a great missionary to Africa. This is what he wrote. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice, which is simply acknowledging a great debt we owe to our God, which we can never repay? Is that a sacrifice which brings its own reward and healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny? It is emphatically no sacrifice. Rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger, foregoing the common conveniences of this life, 
These may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these things are nothing compared with the glory which shall later be revealed in and through us. I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk. When we remember the great sacrifice which he made, who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. Jesus gave everything for you. He gave everything for me. He withheld nothing. And what are we giving him? I don't know about you tonight, and I'm not trying to stand here and say that I'm perfect or that I, I, I have no fault or anything else, but I do know this. I want to be a man. I want to be a man who stood in the gap. I want to be a man who stood between the living and the dead. I want to be a man who will look into the face of, of lost, those who are lost and look into the face of our younger generation in our church and say, you will not go into the world but by going through me. Over my dead body will you pass this way. If we, just, if we could have, just think about, think about what 56 men did. 56 men changed the lives of two and a half million people by their sacrifice, by their willingness to give it all up for the liberty of our, of our nation. Now, think about what that could be if, if just 20 men in this church, if just 10 men in this church stood up and stood in the gap between the world and where it's going and the righteousness of God. That's what God sought in Ezekiel's day. And I believe that's what God is seeking today. He's seeking for men to stand in the gap. Will you be that man? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. And Lord, we know that you are faithful to us and we, we have confidence to know that you will honor your, your promises to us. And, and certainly, Lord, tonight I'm not trying to, to preach a doom and gloom message. In fact, just the opposite, Father. I'm trying to stand here and encourage men and women to take a stand, to stand in the gap. And by doing so, to stay the hand of judgment. Father, help us tonight. Give us courage. Give these fathers in this room the courage to be a righteous man in front of their wife and their children. Give them the courage to to do those things that glorify and honor you, not to succumb to this world and its foolishness and its folly, but to take a stand. Give, give employees the, the courage to stand up on the job and say, no, this just isn't right. Even if it costs them, Lord, their, their, their supposed future. Father, we, we are to be men and women of, of righteousness. Help us to live that way. Strengthen us, we pray. And we thank you and we praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, 
please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.